Well, Happy New Year. It's good to be with you today, and it's good to see all of you. We're glad for all who are with us in, in the parking lot and are streaming online. As, as the years of our lives come and go, there are obviously some years that stand out more memorable than others, and it has already been expressed that is true with our past year of 2020. And it may be one that, uh, you know, if not most, will not forget in their lifetime of what that experience entailed for them. You think about just life and how spectacular events, unexpected events, just have a way of engraving memories. That is engraving moments in our minds and on our hearts in such a way that they just are unforgettable. And so it doesn't have to be a year like 2020. It can be anything that just impresses us in a very deep way. Each of our lives are marked by pivotal moments, by stages along life's path. For example, the year of your birth is definitely one of those. You know, it is the beginning of your walk here on earth. But then, as life moves forward, there are other momentous times that, which are seen as significant signs or stages of growth. For example, year six. Year six is a special one because so often... What's attached with that year or around that year of your life is the beginning of school. It is the start of the school age and that period of your growing up. At 13, you enter those teen years, however wonderful or not wonderful they may be. And then at 16, you know, most everyone around that you know, birthday, you, know, you can get your driver's license. At 18, you can begin to vote. So all along the way, there are different stages, different moments or indications that we're all growing. We're all growing up, and we are changing along the way. Your 21st year is really a big one, is it not? Because at this point, you're recognized officially across the country, in the world, as an adult now. 18 may be questionable, but 21. At 21, you are recognized as an adult, even if you are still not behaving like one. So, 2021. It needs to be a year of growing. It needs to be a year of maturing, both as individuals, but also as a congregation. We need to look ahead. We need to look forward. Yes, we've come through 2020, and it's been a challenge. It has tested us in many different ways. And perhaps we have not always passed the test so well in flying colors. But we have lived it. But here we stand, you know, at the beginning of year 2021, and Lord willing, it lies out before you as an opportunity. And what are we going to do with this year? 
what we do with it, no matter what is thrown at us, no matter what you know, challenges or hurdles or obstacles that we still have to deal with, what are we going to do with it? And I suggest to you that it needs to be a year of maturing. Maturing in 21. Unlike our physical growth, a growth which occurs with the passing of time, really no matter what. And it does so because that's the way God has designed us physically. Now, we do need to take care of ourselves. We need to eat right, exercise, all that. You know, but in, in generally speaking, you, know, you don't really have to do a whole lot to turn 6 and 13 and 16 and 1. That just happens. But spiritual growth, spiritual growth in Christ is a conscious effort. It is something you have to decide to do. It isn't just happening. And it's something that has to be done by everyone. Christians do not grow. Christians do not mature in the Lord without deciding to do so. And without determining that they're going to do what it takes to grow up into Christ-like spiritual stature. So this morning I want just to suggest some things to you. Talk about this idea of looking ahead to this year and seeing it as an opportunity for you, each and every one of us, individually, and, and then also congregationally, let's to look ahead, let's focus on growing. Let us focus on maturing. Our spiritual life in Christ begins how? Well, it begins by being born again. It's not coincidental that God uses, the Holy Spirit uses language that relates so well to us. And so our spiritual life in Christ begins, has begun by being born again. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the apostle writes, By the direction of the Spirit that Christ sent to him, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to the, his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Now listen to that. Who, according to his great mercy, has God caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That similar language is used in the same chapter in verse 23. As you continue reading, it says, For you have been born again. Now, who is Peter writing to? He's writing to saints that are considered as aliens scattered through various regions there of, as we know, as Asia Minor. Verse 1. And he says to them, you, know, you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but is imperishable. And then he goes on to tell us exactly what he's talking about. You have been born again of seed, which is imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. So our life 
as a child of God, as a Christian, began with the birth. Jesus taught that unless a person chooses, unless a person chooses to be born again, he cannot enter God's kingdom. He cannot be part of the spiritual kingdom of Christ. He cannot enter the heavenly kingdom. And you remember the words of Jesus there in John 3, when talking you know, that night and teaching this ruler, Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless you are born again, you cannot. You cannot see the kingdom of God. It's that simple. And it is a birth that you must choose. We, we didn't choose to be born physically. But we each choose whether or not we will be born again spiritually. And Jesus says, unless you make that choice, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes on to repeat it in expounding a little further on that subject in verse 5. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. A believer is born again at the point where or when he submits to the Lord's word to wash away sins in the watery grave of baptism. In Romans 6 verse 4, if you recall, as Paul writes to the saints in Rome, he reminds them about their birth. And it describes it as you know, you've been buried into Christ, into death, and that occurred at baptism. But the point I want you to very uh, quickly take note of is a believer begins his new walk, his new life with Christ when? When do we start the new life? When do we start the new walk? It's after baptism. It's after the birth is when we begin living for Christ. And so our spiritual birth in Christ has begun by being born again. Now, this spiritual birth logically implies something. And what it implies is that all Christians will be, not some, all Christians will be spiritually immature for a period of time. There's going to be a time in our life that there is spiritual immaturity because we're born again. Compared to your physical birth. With physical birth, we do not automatically know how to care for ourselves. With physical birth, we do not know how to walk and talk. It takes some time. It takes some learning. It takes some exercise and experiencing and overcoming those hurdles. You know, at the time, at physical birth, we do not know how to choose good over evil. That's just with physical birth. And we understand that. Babies must grow. Babies must be taken care of. Babies must be fed. They must be raised up. And so it's true, likewise, with spiritual newborns. 
And the same apostle, going back to 1 Peter chapter 1, encourages them in the second chapter to be like newborn babes who do what? He said, be like newborn babies who long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Spiritual newborns must long for spiritual nourishment. And particularly that nourishment being God's word. And we do, and we need to do so. Why? Why do we need to long for the word? Why do I need to feed on the word? He says, so that you may grow. See, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is a decision to take action that will achieve the end result that's desired. In order to grow in respect to salvation, I must long, must feed myself with the Word of God. It can't be force-fed. You can't do it intravenously. But if we're going to grow spiritually, you and I and us are going to grow, we have to first know there are time periods of spiritual maturity, but how do you get, you know, how do you overcome that? Well, you're, you're going to have to take action, and that involves God's Word. Each and every Christian must hunger for the right things, and then they must determine to do for themselves what it takes. And what, what it's going to take for you or for me this year may be slightly different. The diet is not going to change. But exactly what we each have to do to implement the growth that we need to make this year may vary slightly among us. But we have to be determined to do that. We need to develop a healthy appetite for God, but also we need to develop a healthy ap appetite for the things of God. We need to long for it. Babies, when they hu are hungry, they let you know. They let you know that they're hungry. And we need to have that kind of attitude, that kind of desire, that kind of appetite that we are going to eat God's word. We're going to fill ourselves with it. God expects that. God expects maturity from you and me. In Ephesians chapter 4, turn over to a few pages in your New Testament. And look at another familiar passage. Ephesians 4, just reading there verses you know, 11 through 13, 11 through 13 of Ephesians 4, where he says, And he gave some as apostles, that is, God through Christ, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs 
to the fullness of Christ. God expects his people, God expects Christians to grow. He expects us to be mature individuals, or at least individuals who are maturing. You know, we're all at different stages you know, along our spiritual path with Christ. It's like, physically, we're not all the same age. Some of us may be in the same year, but even that, we're not the same age. We're all different. And so spiritually speaking, we may be at different you know, stages along the way, but we can all together and, se and separately be maturing. We all can go be going in the right direction, and that's what God expects of us. He expects us to be maturing people. Because prolonged immaturity, out-of-season out of immaturity, is rebuked. That's unacceptable. And you have an example of that over in Hebrews chapter 5, where it talks about there, there were saints, there were Christians who ought to have been teachers up by this point. You know, how long have they been Christians? I have no clue. But that's not the point. The point is, they should have been growing. But they weren't. In verse 11, concerning him, we have much to say. That is, concerning Christ, the one who is preeminent, the one who is like unto Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And that happened to you and me. You better believe it. You better believe it. And perhaps 2020 has been one that has dulled us in some way. For though by this time, in verse 12, for the, he says, you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You come to eat milk and not solid food. This is not a compliment, is it? So, immaturity out of season. Yes, there is a time that all of us will have a period of immaturity. That's the natural process of growth. And maybe different degrees of immaturity, too, along the way. But out of season, prolonged maturity, well, God is not happy with that, if, if that's our personal case. But you go back to Ephesians chapter 4 again. In Ephesians chapter 4, you, and you look at those verses again, and you look at the context there of that chapter. It's striking to me to see how the body or the church of Christ is designed, it is organized, and is instructed to be a fellowship in Christ where growth is encouraged, where growth occurs. It's in this relationship of God's family, in the coming together of believers in a locality, that God has designed, organized, instructed His people, the church, the body of the beloved Son, to be a fellowship, to be a relationship where growth is encouraged and where growth happens. If you just kind of glance at the context of Ephesians 4, I want you to notice that number growth, number growth is not the primary goal. 
Now, is number growth important? Yes. In the sense of proclaiming the gospel outward and allowing that seed of the kingdom to be sown in hearts and the Lord convicting hearts, converting hearts, and then the Lord adding more to the body, adding more to the kingdom. Yes, that's important. But the lesson of Ephesians 4 is not emphasizing number growth. It's a different kind of growth that's really being emphasized. Also, I want you to note, as you glance at the context here, and that, that is that God's plan is such that growth is to be occurring on two different levels. One, individually. But two, congregationally. Both of those are to be occurring somewhat simultaneously. As we are growing individually, all of us growing individually, that should provoke, that should stir up a congregational growth at the same time. And that's what's being taught here. Verse 12, I would suggest to you, is the individual growth. Verse 16 is the growth of the body. But you look there in verse 11, where you have these God-ordained ministers, these God-ordained servants, and what are they to be doing? Well, they're to be busy equipping members of Christ for ministry. See, 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 see what's going to here? The kind of growth here is not number growth. It's going to grow there. We're maturing. We're, we're growing ourselves as we've got these different God-ordained ministers whose, whose task, whose mission is to equip the members of Christ, to equip the members of the body so that they, in turn, will minister as well. I suggest to you what these are. These are spiritual trainers, spiritual life coaches. That's what's going on here. Helping the immature to mature and be all that God intends for us to be as his children. Because membership in the body of Christ, membership in the church of our Lord is not about being a spectator. It's not about sitting down and watching what other people do for you. Neither is it, is it about being an entertained audience. As much as I enjoy singing hymns with you and praising God together, and there is, there is an enjoyment there, that's not why we do it. I can find enjoyment in that, but that's not the purpose of it. It's not about me being entertained by your singing. And so we need to understand what God is calling for us here in this context of Ephesians 4, when he designed and instructed and equipped the body in the way he did, it's so that we all will be growing into the ministers, and that's a, that's a broad term, that's not just limited to preachers, that we're all growing into the ministers that we can and should be as children of God. And Acts 2, verse 47, clearly tells us and teaches us that it is the Lord who adds to the body. It is the Lord who adds the saved to his, to his, his church. 
But at the same time, his church, which is his body, with her workers, so the church composed of workers, is to be busily cultivating the soil of Christians' hearts. With what view? What, with what goal? Why should we be cultivating the hearts of one another? Helping each other. Well, it's, it's with the view of mature labor. It's with the view of adult jobs. Adult chores in the Lord. Immaturity does not achieve the mission. Immaturity will not achieve the mission of saints to which we are called to accomplish. So yes, we need to use this new year. We're at the beginning of it. And we don't know what lies ahead, but at least today we can, we can kind of look with, 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 a, with a fresh view, with a, an optim, optimistic viewpoint, and, and see with God and the Lord, I can and I can overcome, and I can endure, and I can be victorious, I can succeed. God's goal for us in Christ, His goal for us is that, that we would attain this mature stature that actually comes from being filled up with His fullness. That comes from being filled up with Christ's fullness. And so as Verse 15 states, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects to him who is the head, even Christ. I would suggest to you that when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian brethren, and he's telling them, you, you brethren need to grow up. He wasn't just talking to teenagers and 20-year-olds. He was talking to saints of all spectrums. And everybody was saying, you all need to grow up. And keep on growing. And so may that be our goal as well this year. That we will focus on growing. Growing in the Lord together to His glory. But we need to remind ourselves that it is God who's going to cause the growth. It's not going to be man's ingenuity. It's not going to be my ingenuity or my great ability or, or some program that I you know, say, hey, let's do this or let's do that. That's not, that's not really going to be what's going to cause the growth. God is going to cause the growth. And that's exactly what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 5 through 7, he says, What then is Apollos? And, and what is Paul? Servants. Servants. That's all that they are. Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. The Lord gave the opportunity. Apollos and Paul served. And so Paul goes on to say, I planted Apollos water each Fulfilling their role, their unique role, their different role, but all in the work and the labor of the Lord. Paul planted a pause water, but listen, but God, God was causing the growth. God 
was causing your growth. We need to grow. And we need to be determined to grow. We need to take whatever efforts individually and congregationally to, to encourage growth among ourselves. But it's not going to be our great abilities and our great ideas that's going to stimulate and cause that growth. It's going to be God working through us. And us working with God. Man's ways and man's wisdom may have appearances of, of piety. They may have appearances of godliness. But such things, the things of men, do not produce true spiritual maturity. That's not what produces real growth in Christ, in Christ's life. Such things will leave men without eternal benefit. And it will leave men without Christ-like growth. You know, the ways of men and the ways of man's wisdom will not produce the maturity of an unwavering faith. Men will not produce that. No matter what program they think of. That's not going to produce an unwavering faith. It will not be the maturity of an undying love either. Only God cause that kind of growth. That kind of growth comes from Christ. It will, neither will it produce the holy allegiance or the uncompromising, un, uh, uncompromising righteousness necessary to be a light to the world that's engulfed in darkness. God is the one who causes the growth. And we need to remember that. But faithful servants have a role. Faithful servant has a place in God's plan. But men, saints, Christians, what are we? We are servants. We are vessels. We are instruments for growth. Avenues by whom God sows and God stimulates hearts. It's the, it's the means by which God will transform us into his workmanship. A workmanship that is designed to carry out his prescribed good works. Think about that idea of sowing seed. You know, just in a physical sense, men sow seed in the soil which God both created. The farmer is just the vessel. The farmer is simply the instrument. Who causes growth? It's God, the creator. The process of growth occurs as the creator designed. And likewise, the seed and the soil work together spiritually, figuratively as well in our lives, for spiritual growth to produce what? A harvest unto God. God causes the growth. God's ways. God's ways for growth cannot be improved on. And that's what we need to grow in. Here, you know, think about God. God who is spirit. God who is spirit is the very source. He's the very root from whom true spiritual maturity is attained. That measure that is described in the Ephesian letters, the stature of the beloved son. Think about that. God is the one who brings about that growth. And we must never forget. 
is not us. But we need to grow. We need to have a mind and a heart to, to grow. But it's God working through us. And we become his workmanship. So I want to close with some thoughts found in Ecclesiastes. You think about God being the, the source, the root, the cause of growth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we are, we are told that God created man a living being. A living being that's composed of both body and spirit. But it's a spirit in whom, what? It's a spirit in whom he has placed or set eternity in his heart. God is spirit and he created our spirits. And he has set something there. He says eternity. He has set eternity in our hearts. Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the things we learn is we learn about King Solomon. And King Solomon explored all aspects of life under the sun. He did and experienced everything. And it was not all good. But he tested it all. And what did he learn? And what, what he learned was this, that all of those achievements, all of those accomplishments, what he learned about his journey without God is that it's empty. Any journey, any endeavor, any achievement in this life under the sun if it's done without God and without Christ ruling and governing us, it's all vain. It's empty. It's without benefit. Because the kind of increase that is useful, the kind of growth that is, uh, that is of great value and worth is that which is accompanied how? With what? Well, it's accompanied as Solomon ends his book with fearing God and keeping his commandments. God causes the growth. The God who created your eternal spirit and soul, the God who set eternity there, is the source of your growth that you need. He knows what you need. He's provided us with what we need. We need to long for it. We need to take the action necessary to achieve it. The spiritual maturity that we all need to be aiming for is one that is actually built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so here we are, 2021. It needs to be a year of what? It needs to be a year of growing. Growing and maturing into Christ. Christ who is our head. We need to be growing in that direction. But that proper growth, spiritual growth in Christ, cannot happen, cannot occur unless each one of us has been born again of water and spirit. Have you been born again? Are you in Christ? If not, you need to think about this year being a year of change, of growth, 
a year of repentance, a year where you're raised up to walk in newness of life. We encourage you to confess your faith that Jesus is the Son of God with your mouth before others and encourage you to repent of your sin and encourage you to take the steps necessary to put on Christ. To begin that walk, to begin that journey of being in Jesus by being baptized. If you are a Christian and there is sin in your life that you have not repented of and you not turned from, we can assist you in making your life right. May this year also be a year of repentance. A year of being resurrected in a sense again to walk the way that you know you need to walk. Whatever your spiritual need may be today, we want to encourage you, we want to invite you, please come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.